Uh, g'day and welcome. This is uh, podcast number two for the boys from Bailing, Scaling and Barbecue. I'm Lawson White and today our guest is Scotty Fry, one of the BSB boys. How you going, Scotty? Good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, good. Good. Uh, it's a bit hotter today, but we're um, we're out and about and we're, we're getting on it. Uh, up here in Gladstone, mate, we're on for It's pretty good. Yeah. That's a few Yeah, good to get out and do something. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you're not working today, obviously? Oh, I've got half the day off, mate. And then um, I'm going to jump in the truck and head down down south for a few runs. I've, I've got all my cold rooms out, out working, so there's a few spare days, and I've got to try and fill them in somehow. Okay, so your your business, uh, for the viewers that don't know, Scotty has his own on-farm butchering uh, business. Um, Scotty, tell us a bit about that, mate. Um. What I do for the people that don't know that what's involved in on farm butchering, I um I've got all my cold rooms, I've got cold rooms, I've got all my own butchering gear and all that. So I come to your place if you had a steer or a heifer to put in the cold room that you want for meat, I'll come out and I'll process it at your place. I'll hang it, hang it there for six or seven days in my cold room, and then I'll come back to your place six or seven days later, and um. I'll cut it to your requirements. So if you wanted, yeah, you know, if you don't want T-bone, you want a porterhouse instead, I can, uh, I can do that. I can use your mince, your suicide, the whole kit and caboodle where you go to their shop to buy a body, you know, it's going to cost you a lot more than doing it yourself at home. So I try and provide that service for my customers with sheep, pigs, goats, deer, um, whatever you want sort of thing. I'm willing to, I'm there to meet your needs, basically. Well, that's pretty awesome. So you, you you go out to people's property, you um you dispatch the animal. Um, is there requirements before, like the does the farmer need to do anything um to before you dispatch it? Like maybe put in a pen for a couple of days. Is there any requirements to uh, do that? That all depends on the animal themselves, mate, and what um, conditions they're in. And the, the weather, as in what I mean by the weather, I mean, is it dry times? Are we having good rain of plenty of feed? It'll come down to that. If it's, if it's a dry time, I'd suggest to put your animal on feed for a good six weeks prior just to sort of – it won't fatten them real quick, but it'll just top, top them off that little bit, just that yeah. little bit extra fat and a little bit of um, muscle to them. Um, but if you're in a good con- – Good conditions with you know we're getting plenty of rain. There's plenty of good feed about for the cows. There's no no need to waste your money on an animal that's already in good condition. You can overdo it by putting too much fat on them, which means I've got to trim more fat off. Which is which means I've got to charge the customer for that job because I charge per dress weight that's hanging up in the cold room. Yeah. Okay. So the more the more fat I've got to take off, that's more money the customers got to pay for basically. No, so, that's, that's and they're pretty cool. The grain as well, so so they're, they're only paying for the beast. They're not paying for sausage meal or um... no, mate. I, I supply all that in in my um, my package. Yep. I supply the sausage meal, the sausage skin, the cure to make you suicide. I, I I do all that in my little package. So the customer just says, "There's the animal there. That's where we want the cold room put. That's where we're going to cut up. That's all I got to know. I, I, I'll go there and I'll do the rest for the customer." That's pretty. That's pretty awesome, especially um, you know, yeah, paying sixty bucks for a, a pack of eye fillet and um, 
in most butcher shops, uh, you know, good quality. I feel it when when you got your own own cows walking around the paddock, that'd be that'd be great. You know, you're only paying your price other than sixty bucks a kilo, and you're you're getting how much? How much is a normal beast weighing? Like, what's your average? Um, I'm averaging two twenty to two thirty kilo uh, dress weight hanging up, and quickly for the customers that. Um, oh, sorry for the viewers out there that don't know dress weight. What I mean by that is you got a live weight. That's the animal walking in the paddock. Dress weight is when it's in the cold room, so it's got its the hide off, stomach out, um, and it's just hanging there ready to start processing a week later. That's I go off that weight. Okay, that's pretty cool. So the same. What about for pigs and goats? It's all the same. It's all dressed weight. Um, no. Sheep, sheep are per head. Okay. This, that's the hang and cut up is per head. And then pigs, I um I do them up to 50 kilo dressed. But anything over that, I charge um per kilo after that. Okay, that's it's cool. Just, but, you know, just as, as they start getting a bit bigger, it takes a bit more to handle. And, yeah. You know, like one or two might be all right. But when you do six, seven or eight in one big hit, you know, the last one you're starting to struggle, you, you're wearing out a little bit. Yeah. So I just charge it per kilo then, and then the customer knows exactly what they pay on the day as well. Yep. They, they know exactly what they're paying, uh, what, what I'm charging, so there's no extra costs involved in it. So at the end, end of the week when it comes to cut up, they, they have the whole week there to realise, oh, that's all it is. There's no, oh, hang on, is it any more after that, like yeah. price? Yep. No, nah, that's, that's I'll, I'll be fair that way. I know, I do know other people charge extra for sausages and that, but no, I, I'll throw that in my package. Okay, so you're the man to get you the, the cows cut up. You're the man, so. I try to, mate. I try to. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well. So. That would, um, the old little on-farm butchering would help with your um, your hunting uh, a little bit, wouldn't it? With the, you mate, know. It's, it helps a lot. I've, um, over the years, I've, I've been in the butchering business since uh, 1999. So I've, I've been around a little bit. Um, yeah, no, mate. Sorry? You're getting old. Oh, there's a few grey hairs there, mate. So, yeah, yeah I, I, um, I won't argue on that one. <laughs> that's all right. We all, all got to get old. Yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah. But, so I'm a late bloomer to the hunting side of it. Um, yeah, well, t- tell us tell us about your hunting, how you started, and, um, yeah, tell us, your, tell us your story about how you got into hunting. Well, how I got into hunting, mate, um... I've, I've been I've been off the off the country my whole life out west. I, you know, you see pigs and roos and all that sort of stuff. And I'd done a bit of pig chasing with mates years ago. I wasn't, I wasn't really into the pig side of it. That just wasn't me. Um, and then I oh, I moved down to Goolawa, the heart of the Brisbane Valley, and I was butchering down there. And I picked up a bit of weekend work, a bit of fencing and tordon for a mate. They own ten thousand acres. Um, yeah, there's a few deer starting to poke around there and I knew nothing about them. I asked the owner, I said, oh, what's the go here? Like, what sort of deer are they? And I started to learn a little bit. They have a bit in the Brisbane Valley there, your red deer. And he goes, oh, you should come hunting one day. And I said, oh, yeah, right. And went for a hunt one day, shot one, and there's a little female. And I thought, okay, well, I'm a butcher. Why not take it home? And that's basically how I got started was doing a bit of weekend work with a mate picked up access to the property while I was there and 
picked up access to as many deer as I want to put through the freezer, and I haven't sort of looked back since. I try and I teach my kids you shoot to eat, not shoot to kill. Yeah, that's great. I, I, that's, that's how, I, how I, I sort of look at it. Like everyone's got their own opinions on it, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great opinion. I love I love um, you know shoot to shoot to eat. Uh, that's that's how I like things. Um, people listen to our first podcast, so we had a bit of a talk about that. You know, there there is uh, there is uh, eliminating numbers, but also for me, it's a big one. Is is definitely. Uh, shooting, shooting to um to eat to eat, you know, p- provide for your family like the old days. Um, That's correct, mate. Like like you said, that you you got to contain the numbers. Um, there is ways around that. Yes, I understand the numbers get out of hand a little bit. You got to try and maintain them. Yes, that's when you know I you know you got a couple of dogs. You try and shoot an extra one or two for your dog, sort of thing to yeah. feed them for a little bit without yeah. wasting the meat out in the paddock. Like, yeah, there's there's little ways around it, and I've got a couple of mates. We get into some heap of small goods, you know. So we shoot a, a couple extra that way and make small goods out of it. So you can try and utilise it as much as you want. That's a great way of doing. That that'll take up a fair bit of meat too. The old uh, the old small goods, Cheerios and uh, Wursts, and how, how does how does um, I, for me personally, I, I love deer meat. I um I make a lot of curries. Uh, I do a lot of crumbing. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I try to do everything, stews, roasts, the lot. How do you find deer meat? Um, how I find deer meat, I've, I've only tasted three of Australia's um, species, and that's your red. I've tasted a little bit of fallow, rusa. Um, sorry, I'll tell lies, four, chittle as well. Chittle's my, probably my favourite one at the moment. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think... I think Chittle are probably the best by far. I, I remember, um, I remember uh, we were up at the in Cape York. No, no, sorry, Northern Territory. And uh, Tra- yep. Trace Cronin brought up a shoulder of deer, and I, I couldn't get over it. Um, you know, I just couldn't get over how nice this was. Um, yeah, but anyway, um, yeah. So no, you, I, don't, I, I don't mind Chittle, mate. I when I get the chance to go out to my block, I um, try and take two or three for myself and. One's more for your chops. Yeah. Uh, just like how you break a lamb down, I'll break a, a deer down exact same. So you get your cutlets, your loins, your shoulder chops, and you get your, instead of, with your hind legs, instead of making them in the it's rows, I'll put them in the chops as well. Like they're good meaty chops. Yeah. And then me second animal, I'll take the two hind legs for me roast that way. Yeah. And then um, if I wanted a few more cutlets or loins, I can take that. Otherwise, I'll bone the rest of that second one out and the whole third one and make me sausages and small goods out of that. Okay. How, how, how much, like, I've only shot, oh, I've only shot one or two chittle. I haven't, haven't been around chittle too much. I'm more of a reds deer because of, of Brisbane Valley. But how, how, how big are we looking at a chittle deer? Like, how, how big is uh, a chittle deer? Mate, they're not, they're not overly big animals. Like, you can get... Um, your stack, a good stack can go up to 70 or 80 kilo dress weight, but obviously, I only take out the cold stags and um, females. So, the females, you know, you pull them back to about 40, some get up to 50 kilo, like the biggest sort of size. Yep, dress, unlike you know, then you get to your reds, well, they can go to 120 to 140. That you know, they're good bodies down there, those stags. Oh, yeah, like dress, dress weight that is not live weight, yeah, but no, they're a good little animal, like. Your recovery is about fifty percent 
Oh, that's good. From your dress weight to your um, live weight to dress weight. So, you know, you do get a bit back. Yeah. And even with your bones, instead of throwing them to your dogs, if you, you can still do that. But what I used to do is um, get all your marrow bones and cut them an inch thick, and you can use them for your broth. Oh, oh you yeah. Shoot, so you can get the marrow out of them. So you, you utilise the animal a bit more. Yeah, that's a great idea. The ribs, instead of boning the intercostal out, which is the meat between the ribs, just make them in your rib rack and put a, a light little rub on it and smoke it. Yeah, that's um, that'll be on one of our videos there, Scotty. It'll be um, I, I, my my brother, uh, his wife. She's a, an amazing cook, and um, I've I've she doesn't know it yet, but I've been watching her cooking ribs for a while. So um, I'm going to steal a couple of her ways of doing it, and um, I'm going to flog her sauce because gee, oh, I can't wait to get a couple of deer and and try her uh, her sauce and her methods of cooking on the on the ribs. It'll be I reckon it'll be amazing, mate. It's with the deer, a lot of people turn their nose up at it because I think it's just the thought of it being a wild animal. Yeah, I agree. I definitely resource, agree. Resource. Yeah. Like, you can do so much with it. Like, when it comes to cooking, you treat it like lamb or treat it like goat. You've got to cook it low and slow. Yep. Otherwise, you dry it out. But if you cook it on a high temp, it's got to be really quick and get it off that pan. Don't dry it out. You've got to leave that little bit of moisture. I personally, myself, is a medium person, like media, uh, rare to medium sort of thing, more the medium end. That's how I like eating it. So it's, it's still bleeding just that little bit, but there's still that little bit of moisture in there. Yeah, okay. Like, everyone's different. So some people might like it basically rare. Well, that, hey, that's fine. That's how they like eating their meat. It just comes down to self-preference. And I always say to everybody, don't knock it until you try it. Yeah, okay. Do um so when you make your small goods, do you yeah, um do you use the deer? You're obviously using the deer meat and your sausages. Are you yeah. put are you putting anything else with that sausage like pork fat yeah, or mate, beef? I, I put a bit of pork, um, like a fatty pork trim with it, yeah. like, to just to help keep that moisture in there and help bind it all. Otherwise, deer meat being lean, it can go really dry when you cook it. Yeah, um, okay. And crumbly. Yeah. So if you had I go about that 70% deer meat to 30% pork meat. Some go to 60% deer meat, 40% pork meat. Yeah. It just depends. What kind of sausage you like? Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. What um what what kind of firearm do you using for um to to dis um dismantle? Um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not. You can't get much meat out of it that way. What kind of firearm you using, mate? Oh, when you... I'll forgive you. It's Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's oh, right. The, the missus just made me go for a run, so it's a bit rude, I think. I, I, I mean, is that just to run down to the front gate to get the um oh, the newspaper? Was it? No, no. It's a bit more than that. A bit yeah, more right than right. that. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the podcast. Uh, what 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 kind of um what kind of firearm are you using, mate? Um. With the red deer, I use a 270, mate. Yeah. So I know it's hitting home. I know I've done damage to that animal and taken out as cleanly as I can without injuring the animal. I personally think any caliber less, you got more of a risk of injuring that animal and it running away and in pain. And I don't like, I can't do that, especially with me on farm butcher and I like to try and take the animal. As cleanly, cleanly and ethical as much as I can. Yep. Um, one shot, one dispatch sort of thing. That's how I look at it. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's sometimes there you got to throw a backup shot in it, but that's if the animal's not running away, you can get that shot off cleanly and humane as possible. Take it. With your turtle, mate, I, I go back to the 243. Being a smaller animal, I found the 270 is way too big and it was punching straight through the animal and not doing much damage. Oh, okay. And the 243 being a smaller caliber, it actually, when it hits it, the bullet will, will expand a little bit more and do that more damage to pull them down. Okay. So your so your reds your reds you're using your two seventy and your chittle you're using your two four three. Yeah, mate, that's what I do. Yes, Everyone, oh, other people might do it. You know, they might go to the, to the three three eight caliber, um, the thirty thirty or something like that. That's hey, that's that's what they want to shoot the reds with. That's fine. I got I don't look at other people like that. That's the way they want to. Yeah, that's their opinion. That's their way. That, that's, that's how they correct, do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I'm the same, mate. I. Sometimes you <laughs> you shake your head and you scratch your head and go what? But yeah, no, I I agree there. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a um controversy. What kind of caliber we, we do use? I I I'm I'm on the same boat as you. Um, two seventy for the reds and um, we use a two three for the chittle. But um, yeah, you know, I'm pretty pretty um yeah. I just like a deer down and in me pan really. So um, what kind of what kind of knives do you use, mate? Um, being a butcher, even out in the paddock, mate, I I still make sure I, I take good knives. I'll just race out there. Give me two seconds with my um with my skinning knives, mate. I use victory knives. Yep. Um, that's what. Yeah, that's uh, ones are softer. The steel itself in the knife is a lot softer for skinning, and then I got a, a harder steel knife. To take the hocks, lock all the bone jobs, the hocks, the head, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then when it comes to me boning out, I not many people would would have come would, would know these knives, but it's called a geyser. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, no, that's no, my no, boning out knife yeah. for me for me on farm butchering and that. And even with the um, paddock, I use one. I use a victory uh, Victorinox. Victorinox, yep. Yep, that's yeah. the same as my um. My slice knife is a Victorinox. Yeah. You slice me rumps and all that, me steaks and all that. <clears throat> but that's because I, there's everyone's got different ways of using knives and how hard they are in their hand yeah. to use a knife. Like some are heavy-handed, where you're going to need that harder steel. Some are light-handed. You can you can actually use a softer steel. When um, sorry, Scotty, when you're when you're picking a knife, what what are you looking for? Um, it depends on what job you want to do, you, what you want to do, mate. Like, if it's skinning, I, I just use a, the standard six-inch curb-back um, skinner knives. That's all I use. But for a paddock job, okay, we're going out tonight, we're going to, or this afternoon, whatever you want to do to take something home for the, um, for the fridge. Okay, you think if it's a red deer, they're going to have a really coarse skin. So I take an older knife with a harder steel. So you can look at a um, an F-Dick one, or they don't make these ones anymore. They're called Sharp. They're a cheap brand, but they're very, very hard steel. Yep. But they they handle that paddock stuff like because you got dirt yeah. in the fur, you got rocks in the fur. You know when you cut when you um, start to open them up, 
and they'll handle they'll handle those sort of jobs. When you get a softest a softest steel knife, they'll just fall apart and fold the edge over. So yeah. it depends on what you want to do. Yeah. Like like in a paddock, like I said, you're going out, shit, we've got a deer. You just wanna you just wanna go you wanna pull this old trusty knife out and I'll find a harder steel for that knife for those sort of jobs. Do a lot better job and last a bit longer for you in the paddock so you're not sitting there hacking away at it. It can hold that edge that little bit longer, just enough to um, get you back home if you don't have a stone with you. Yeah, out the paddock. you you've obviously you're carrying a steel on you the whole time. What kind of steel do you do you have? Um, with just for a paddock job, mate. When I go hunting, I just use the old Victor Knox orange handle steels. Oh yep, yeah, yeah it's the same one I got. It's, um... That's all I use, mate. But when it comes to my on farm butchering, my best steel is worth six hundred dollars. Oh wow. Um, but that's that's for me on farm, so I know when I'm boning out, I've got a good steel to hold that edge. Yeah. Um, and then it's it's actually a homemade job from down south. It's one. I've got three, one, two, three of those ones, and then I've got a flat, um, a flat steel. It's seven. Like it's got like got seven stones in it, sort of thing. Yep. That's just so that just sits in my big box there. So if I ever need a backup, I've got it. But just for the paddock job, mate, I just use the orange handle one. You know it's a trustworthy. Yeah, that's a good, good can, little steel. They can handle a, a fair bashing too. Like if you get throw it around in your bag or throw it in the back of the ute or it's in the paddock, you know, they can handle those sort of jobs. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I love the little yellow one, orange one, sorry. I, um, I've i got one and I, I probably need to... I don't know much about the steels, but I, I do think, um, yeah, I know a lot of guys do acid drops and stuff like that with them. Yep. Do you do that? With my good steels, yes, I yep. do. Do you, um, do you what, what's the benefit of it? Like I, I've, I was a butcher for ten years, but um, we were more of a, a in, in butcher shop, so we we're in town kind of thing. We, we didn't have much to do with steels. It was always just buy a new one and keep going. But um. It, with your steels, mate, it's a massive art, like sharpening a, um, a knife. It's a big art to do it properly and make sure you get the right edge. But with your steel, you can buy, like, those little orange handle ones that we spoke about before. They're, they're purposely made with a special coating over it so they don't chip, they don't rust and all that. Oh, but yeah, all okay. your homemade jobs, um, they will rust very quickly. And most of them have got a small pit. That's like... It's all pitted, the actual steel itself. Yep. And with your acid, I get a little bit of PVC pipe. I think it's 19 mils. I put a cap on the end of it, and I put acid, or you can even put vinegar down inside it and put your steel in it for about 40 minutes, no more. And what that does, it cleans every bit of pit, every any bit of um, residue or anything that's in that little pit. It'll take... It'll, clean that right out and if there's any bit of surface rust over time it'll take all that off i do mine every i try and do it no more than two weeks so once a week i keep them maintained that way um you can clean them wash them like normal and hot soapy water but that physically won't get clean those little pits out properly so over time those little pits start closing up and that starts creating your steel a smooth feel, or like a, a, a medium rough um, steel, because the job you do if you hit bone, you know you you know if a smooth steel that won't burn, that won't keep a proper edge on your knife. But with a 
a slightly rougher steel, it'll maintain that edge that little bit more. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but that's the advantage of doing your acid and your vinegar. Well, a strong vinegar works as well. I'm, I'm using that at the moment. Yeah, and okay. It's, it's, it's um, so tying it, my seals up all the time. So it's a bit like the stone kind of thing. Um, yeah, you people always clean their stones, but so like the steel's kind of got pores like the... Exactly, mate. Yeah, exactly so you, you, right. you're yeah. cleaning out the fat and so... Okay, oh, there you go. You, you're maintaining your steel as well. So everything you do, like you said, with your stone for knives, you've got to maintain your stone as well. You've got to maintain your steel at the same time, especially yeah. your homemade ones. Yeah, okay. Well, that's awesome. There you go. We've, we've learned something. Um, but see, yeah. going on all, talking about all this, mate, like your maintaining of all your, your equipment... We spoke about it not long ago about a school. BSB is going to hold a school. But we yeah. can do all that and show people how easy it is to maintain those little things at home as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We're um, we've been talking about that. We're, we're just going to wait for the probably wait for the winter. So um, yeah. Tell us what what we were, we were talking about it. Um, probably run a different a couple of different little schools. Um, tell us what you're what we're thinking about doing. What we're thinking about doing with these schools is one, yeah, you're maintaining all your equipment, which is giving back to your um, your cutting boards and all that sort of stuff. Like everything's got to be maintained and hygienically clean to get the best product without it going off. From you know, you got to try and stop bacteria as much as you can. And um, this is a this is a wild, uh, like a, a situation of of a hunter out in the out in the bush. Yes, so we can teach you how to. Um, okay, you just harvest an animal out in the paddock there. What, what's your next job if you want to take it home? Well, a lot of people will just take the hind legs and back straps and walk away. But yeah. what they don't realise is you still got your eye fillers, you still got your shoulders. You can do utilise or do something with. Yeah, you might have um, taken that animal through the shoulder, but that doesn't mean that's completely wrecked. That, that doesn't mean oh, it's bugger, we'll just leave it there. We'll take that home with you and just cut all that bad stuff out. There's dog meat. Yeah. And then trim all the good stuff off for yourself for sausages or something. You can still utilise it. you still got your neck. Yeah. You can bone out. Um, so we can teach you how to hypothetically have a deer on the ground. We won't, but it's just so the viewers can understand what we're trying to say is we got one on the ground out, out in the bush here. How about we um, quickly take the stomach out to start dropping that heat yep. in that body temperature and get air into that um, gut cavity so you can um, take it home like that with the skin, take the whole animal home yep. and deal, deal with it at home or enough to get it back to the ute to put it up in the tree to skin the whole lot and then take it home like that. So all you got all you got at home is just the, the body with no hide and no stomach so it's less for you to deal with at home. Yeah. Or just to utilise the animal a lot more so we're going to have cold rooms there on the day so we can, everything, you know, it's all cold still. We can bring one animal out of the time. We can show you the, the actual primal cuts. What I say about primal cuts, I mean your T-bone, your rump, your round, your top side, your silver side, rib fillet, shoulder chops. We can teach you all that. Or if you, if the, the, if the, um, the hunter isn't up to that stage, or that knowledgeable to get to that, well, we can teach you basic ways to still get roughly the same type of cut on your plate so you can get the best out of it as much as you can. Yeah, that's it. Um, 
Yeah, like we we've talked about this a fair bit, you and me. Um, you know, obviously we're waiting for the, the waiting for winter uh, to be a bit cooler because uh, southeast Queensland. It, well, today I think we're sitting at I think it's twenty nine at the moment, and it's only it's only quite early in the morning. Um, so, so yeah, so yeah, I reckon winter would be a good time to run a couple of schools if anyone's interested to to learn. Well, keep yeah. posted, and we'll we'll be throwing it out there with um, but it won't be just. Just yeah. of that, there will be other benefits on the day. So we're, for hunters. we were looking at well, we're looking at a few things. We're looking at uh, gunsmiths um, yep. and how to how to run um, your gun and what kind of you know cleaning, scope, uh, sighting your scope. Um, you know, you're going to run through knives. Uh, we're going to get Reggie to run through fishing hooks and and tying yep. knots. Um, I was going to look at doing some cooking with you. Um, yep. Probably give you a break because you'd probably be bugging after doing all that butchering. But um, oh mate, <laughs> I want you to break. I'm I'm the man. You're the I'm man. <laughs> nah, but yeah. to mix it all up like that and get everyone involved, like yourself, like Reggie, like myself, and whoever else we can get involved for people to benefit from. I think those days for BSB will be absolutely prime to expand. Everyone's knowledge, yeah. not just not just hunting, but like you said, Reggie was going to talk about hooks and knots and that. I'm not a fisherman at all. I'll admit yeah. that straight away. I can't fish. I can't catch a cold. But I'd love to learn those sort of things. So those things, I would learn myself and benefit from that. Yeah, well, that's what we were talking about last episodes. Uh, educating ourselves, you know, making sure we're always continuously learning. Like I didn't know that. I didn't know that stuff about the steel um, before. Like I've heard it, but the way you explained it. You know, like I now understand what goes on with the steel. Um, you know, we're always trying to educate ourselves in um, at BSB. So you know, we we don't claim to be um, know it alls. We claim to be. If we don't know it, we're definitely going to learn it. So exactly. You know, that's that's Just why we help, help people that don't know or yeah. want to know or want to learn. That's it. These are guidelines to help them improve themselves. Simple. That's it. No, that's that's a. Uh, that's our, our big goal here at BSB. Um, yeah, so the school, we're, we're, we're looking at uh, probably one or two deer for the day. Probably for the viewers, it's looking like we'll try and do it over a weekend. Um, you know, we're going to have a, it'll be a big shindig. We're going to have a big party. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have uh, Scotty demonstrating deer. Um, maybe we'll do a, a pig one down the track after it. Uh, we'll have Reggie talking about some fishing and um we're also we're looking at getting a, someone to help us with taxiderming. We're we're still looking into that. Um, I personally have no idea how to cape out a deer, um, or a pig, so I would really love to learn. Uh, love love to learn how to do that. Um, and basically getting people, you know, like I've got a couple of good deer recipes, and and I I know you definitely have as well. So we, I, I'm really excited to you know teach people how to make jerky, teach people how to make uh, my, my yellow curries. And, um, you know, like I, I can't wait to see how you make your small goods. That's going to be very exciting. Mate, I'll, I'll post some photos on the BSB later today or tomorrow, the page, just of a couple of small goods that we did on the weekend. That that, that would that'd be just a little teaser for anyone wanting to learn those sort of things. Um, mm-hmm. I love my small goods. And it, it is a massive art learning it, but once you got the basic, there's no stopping anyone trying it at home. Even even if you're trying to go to the butcher shop and buy some trim, 
drop yeah. on the shop yeah. and take it home and make it at home, you still and you, you don't and you don't go. and you don't need big quantities, do you? You don't need like no. just you know start off with two point five kilos, yeah. yeah, you know, just small small batches. Um, That's exactly right. You've obviously got a bit of an industrial mincer where I've got a um, I've got a little oh, I'd say a little crappy Harvey Norman thing. Um, yeah, we we only look at doing two to five kilo, um, two to five kilo sessions at a time. So yeah. I got, um, well, I have to have a decent one for my job, of course, so yeah. I know I can get the job done quick, but I had um, I had a bit of time off on Saturday for the first time in how many years to do something for myself with a mate, and um, I acquired a couple of big big pigs, big backfatters, who mate said, yep, let's jump at it, let's, he put it all together, said, okay, let's, um, let's make this, this, and this, right, so I went out to his place. He had his cold room there. I started boning out the pig, or the two pigs. He trimmed, tubbed, and then we, it was 90-odd kilo just in meat. Wow. Right there. Um, it was a fair amount. And he goes, oh, man, this is going to take forever to mince. I said, hang on, I've got my big mincer with me. Oh, yeah, right, oh. Well, I think it was <laughs> 20 minutes. So I had 90 kilo bash through. See you later. Wow. And he's looking at me saying, oh, where's the other tub? I said, oh, that's it, mate, she's all done. He goes, oh, shit, you're kidding me. I said, no, no, it's, we've jammed it through. He goes, yeah, right. <laughs> so, like, you don't, you don't need big things. Like you said, you got that little cheap one, but... It works. If you, exactly. If you've got all day, who cares? Have a couple of beers or a couple of rums or whatever you drink. Just take your time. That's it. So you can take it all in and then you can, instead of rushing it, if you slowly do it slow, take it all in, you'll learn more from that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's um, yeah, I agree with that. You have to take your time. Um, you know, I always, I've done a couple of sessions on the filler, um, at home, and definitely agree with the whole beer and rum. Get a couple of you know a pack of chips or you know an old salami that you had before, and um, take your time. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's slum. The weekend. Yeah, no, that's it's how you got to do it. I, I believe. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Relax. Enjoy. Enjoy the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, and that's exactly right. You got to take your time on it. Um, you know, for for a beginner trying to link sausages, take your time because if you you might go a little bit quicker and you might pop that skin. Yeah, that's that's just taking time. How I look at it is, if you pop a skin, who cares? If that that little bit bit of meat that you've um you pop the skin on, if you got no more meat left to fill out. Well, there's patties or rissoles. You can still yeah. use it. Old meatloaf or something like that. That's... Exactly right, mate. Even, well, yeah, if it's like, oh, it's a little handful, bugger it, pop a couple more skins if you wanted to to yeah. make a meatloaf out of it, make it worthwhile. Yeah, that's it. No, a that's... couple more patties for the fry pan. Like, there's ways around it. Like, don't don't be disheartened if when you start linking and one's, um, like, linking your sausage together to tie them off, don't be disheartened if one's two inches bigger than the other and stuff like that. Who yeah. cares? You're having right. a go. It's, it all it. comes with practice. It all comes with learning. And it goes back to, you know, respecting the animal that you've just taken, you know, like he, that, you know, you're feeding your family with that animal, which is really important. You know, you're not wasting anything, which is, you know, if you pop a skin, think, who cares? Just go and make I it a little patty. All this talk about all that, mate, that is probably the main words, what you just said, yeah. feeding the family. I, yeah. I think, me personally, that's your main words. Yeah. Or for, even if, even if your your partner and kids aren't into it, but yourself and another mate, and another mate is, mm. that's fine. You're still feeding mouths. That's it. That's yeah. how I look. I think 
think that's your most important thing out of all this is those words right there. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, I, a couple of weeks ago, given a... I don't know who made it. Um, a mate to a mate gave me some sausages and I don't know what he put in it, but gee, they were good. Um, so... <laughs> They were, you know, and, and, and he said to me, the guy that gave the sausages to me said, I can't eat this because I've got too many. So he gave it to me, you know, and that, that's fed me for a couple of days. And they were really good sausages. So I'm, I'm, I'm on the hunt to find that recipe now. So, yeah. Well, on the weekend, I, on Sunday, I didn't make good. We had about 12 kilo of fresh mince left over. It's my recipe. I gave it to these guys and they end up making it. I'm waiting to get some sausages off them. Blueberry <laughs> and maple pork sausage. Say that again. Blueberry and maple pork sausage. Wow, that sounds not bad. Hey. So, and they, they, they made it how I told them to make it. Mince everything right through. Leave the blueberries out. Yeah. And then when you're ready to, when you're ready to about, you're just about to fill them out, throw your blueberries in whole, mix it up by hand. And then fill it out so you get whole blueberries in your sausage. Does it go all blue? No, mate. No, no. Oh, that's cool. Because the, the, the blueberry itself is still whole. It hasn't popped. Yep, yep. Oh, so it has yep. at least juices. So, you, so when you cook it, when you cut it, oh. then you'll probably get the um, the juices out of it that way. But you get when you bite them, you'll get that, that hit of a blueberry, like a blueberry muffin. Now you bite into it and you get, oh, that's nice, that beer. Yeah. Oh. You put that in the sausage. But we've got other... Like, other ideas and other recipes there. Um, we're going to try it with chicken next time, but you can try it with pork, like yeah. a mango and coconut flake. Oh, but, yeah. Or a strawberry champagne and white chocolate. For, for anyone who wants these recipes, um, <laughs> you're going to have to buy them off, Scotty. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah. But little, little things like that. When it comes to ideas away from sausages with just the meat in general, world is your oyster. Yeah, Don't hold back. I, I agree. You know, have, putting sweet stuff like honey and blueberries and raspberries, that's um, that's definitely not uh, foreign anymore. Um, you know, like when I was in the butcher shop, we were putting cheeses and honeys and veggie mites and oh, jeez, yep. everything. So you know. Oh, well, there you go. Like, world's your oyster. Garlic is a big one. That um, what's the other one we did? Oh, we did a jalapeno and olive. Oh yeah, that sounds right. Strasbourg, yeah. That yeah, well, I'm not an olive person, but my mate Jace is. So he did a five kilo batch for himself. Yeah. Jalapeno and olive, Strasbourg. And I'm like, well, if that's what you want, mate, go for it. Like, I'll eat the jalapeno one. Yeah. But I'm not going to knock the olive one either because I haven't tried it. Yeah. It might, I just don't like olives in general, but mixing it like that, it could be a different taste. So I'm going to try it. Yeah. See, that sounds nice, those sausages. Now yeah, I'm. Um... I'm getting hungry. So, all right. So, what's what's the what's um what's the next step for Scotty? So, we we're gonna do the school. What else you got planned, mate? Um, we're gonna. I reckon we do organise two or three schools winter next year. One yep. one a month sort of thing because um there's gonna be a lot to learn and a lot to put out there in those two days. I don't think we could do it in two days. Yep. Like we can have a one. One way we can have a, a breaking down session of the animal. The next one could be a sausage one. I don't know. There's ideas we're going to throw out there. But next for me, mate, um, try and find time to go hunting so I can do all this again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, I've run out. My freezer's empty of that that sort of stuff until I get this pork over here. Then it'll be full of pork. But when it comes to me deer, I, you know, I don't mind. I've, I prefer the deer over the pork any day. Yep. The venison. Yep. 
Yeah, hopefully in a couple of weeks I'll get that chance to go out and knock one or two and bring it home and utilise it the best we can. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Buy another couple of cold rooms for my business and just stuff like that. That's that's sort of the next step for me, mate. Buy a truck. Do you um do you do you get much free time with with your business? Um, now that I've gone out full time doing it, yes. Okay. But when cool. I was working in the shop and doing my business, no. Yeah. Okay. But because I've gone out full time, I can make sure I get a couple of days off. Like I'm trying to get weekends off now for the kids. Yep. Um, that side of it. So yeah, I I can make time when I want to. So yeah, if I want to say stuff it, I want to have a four days off. I'll take four days off if I want to go hunting. Yeah. Oh, that's but awesome. Not, not, it doesn't take me four days to shoot one deer. You can get one the first afternoon. Yeah. But you got to you know I go out and take your time, enjoy it, and help the farmer with jobs around the around his farm on his property, whatever he wants done, and he wants a bit of fencing or. Cattle work, I'll go do that instead. You know, like, I'll help them out that way when I can. Yeah, that's that's um, it's a good good thing to do there, Scotty. You know, helping out the farmer. We 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 talk about that in the first series a bit with um, you know, trades and and helping the farmer as much as you can. You know, like pulling out sheep and pulling out cows from the dam. But yeah, well, there's a um, I've never been hunting on this other block down in oh, Linville, down the Brisbane Valley near just above um. Kilcoy there. Oh, yeah. I, I used to cut a lot of timber out of there, um, fence posts and that for him. And I was up there one day. He chucked me in his little dozer and we're knocking a few tree lines down, like fence lines down, um, clearing all that so we can do some fencing. And then he took me up to this hut. And in behind that hut is this five acre um, deer pen in the middle of nowhere. And I said to um, said the mate, I said, "Oh, what's the go here?" He goes, "Oh, haven't you seen it?" I said, "No." Nah. It's a deer pen. There's a there's a hut right beside it five hunters they haven't bought the land off him but he said it's theirs they built this house when you're talking about trades and what in lieu of them gain, gaining access they went and built rebuilt old mate's house for free <laughs> he just paid he just paid for material the owner paid for all the materials and these five tradesmen put the labor into it one's a concreter one's a chippy one's a sparky One's a plumber, and I think there's another chippy in there involved. But they all know what to do, how to build a house. Yeah. So old mate got his house refurbished inside and out <laughs> for free, old bar materials, of course. And they got access up on his block whenever they want there and built this mansion-looking thing. Hunter's Shack is oh, it's, it's prime. With, this, with five acres um, deer pen with a big stag in it. Wow. And they hunt, it's 10,000 acres, but they can hunt there all year round. And that's when you're talking about trades and helping. Yeah. Well, I thought, that's a good trade, that one. Oh, yeah, that's, um, yeah, no, no. Hopefully, old mate doesn't sell it. <laughs> no, nah, I don't think Dunk will, mate. He's, nah. he's, he's been there for in his family for two generations, and he wants to pass it down to his. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. But like you said, if before going back quickly to your trade, if you can help, gain access and help that owner as much as you can with your trade, that owner of that property will benefit more from that than paying someone to come and get wages. Yeah, no, exactly right. You know, no. then, Sorry, paying someone wages to go and do yeah. the job when he's getting it done for free. Yeah. And it's helping him maintain the deer, the wild deer herd. Yeah, and you're feeding your family out of it as well. So it all works. Win-win for everyone. 
All right, Scotty. Well, um, we're going to have to wrap it up, mate. But um, thank you for uh, coming on. And for anyone who wants to see what Scotty does, go onto the BSB Facebook page. So bailing, scaling, and barbecue. Um, we've got Instagram. We've got we've got YouTube, and you'll see a lot of Scotty's recipes and um and how he does things. We put a lot of stuff up regularly of what Scotty does. Well, so Scotty, just for the viewers, what's your um what's your business called? Uh, Scott's on farm butchering. Scott Arm Farm Butchering. You got a phone number or do you don't want to put that over podcast? <laughs> uh, 0487 966 628. I work for Central Queensland Region. That's the Central Queensland Region. So anyone who wants to um, you know, get their cow, what do you call yourself? The cow tipper. The cow tipper, mate. Yeah, the, the professional cow tipper. That's my, uh, my nickname. And everyone has a bit of a giggle at it and it catches people's eyes. And So yeah, professional cow tipper. Lovely, lovely. So what? Uh, yeah, thank you very much, mate, for coming on, and um, you know, hopefully, who anyone in the south, south, uh, not southeast, the central Queensland, so the Gladstone area. Um, how far do you go from Gladstone, mate, before you go? I go down to Bundy. I go up above Rocky, out to Billow, um, Monto. But if you're in the southeast and you got a cold room and you got deer in your place, I reckon we, we can work a deal out to get a beast done for free for you. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, um, there you go, everyone. So anyone who needs a beast cut up, <clears throat> uh, let Scotty, uh, he'll, um, Scotty can sort you out there, no dramas. And if you want to um, talk to Scotty, just message me on Facebook on uh, Bailing, Scaling and Barbecue. Um, thanks a lot, Scotty. And um, Thank and, you very much for your time, mate. I appreciate all this. Uh, all good. Thank you very much. Um, and for everyone else, um, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, make sure you like, subscribe, and, uh, yeah, hit that share button. BSB, baby. Thanks, guys. Cheers.